0: Welcome to the Ignite Impact Podcast. I am Tracy Purdy, and I believe that people are placed into our lives at every step in our life journey to be an integral part of our story. Here on the podcast, we will talk with individuals who have influenced me, helped me grow, nurtured me, inspired me. My thinking and enriched my life, and will do the same for you. We will be covering a variety of subjects, so stay tuned to be inspired and encouraged. When I say that I have been so excited about this interview, that is a complete Understatement. I have been talking to people about my experience with Beth Ann Davenport for months now, and this interview has pumped me up so much. I cannot wait for you to get to know her. She is a pharmacist turned functional medicine wellness coach, meditation teacher, and hypnotherapist who firmly believes that the best medicine for our everyday wellness is available to anyone without a prescription. It has fascinated me. I think about it all the time. This is going to be one of my longest episodes. I couldn't cut anything out. I am so excited for you to hear the science behind hypnotherapy and meditation and what it has done in her life and how it has affected my life as well. So tune in to get to know more about Beth Ann Davenport. Welcome, Beth Ann. Thanks for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. I am... So excited to have you join me today to talk about something that I can literally say has changed my life. I have been sharing about this with so many different people since our first meeting back in May, but I wanted to give a little background on Bethany and I. We went to college together at, at Ouachita Baptist University. We were a few years apart, but we always knew of each other. It's such a small school. But tell us what you went to school for, Bethany. Ann. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: I went to school for pharmacy. Um, I grew up in pharmacy. My dad is also a pharmacist in Mountain Home. And so I was raised behind pharmacy counters and decided in 10th grade really that I was going to do pharmacy. And so that I went to Washtenaw Free Pharmacy and kind of never strayed from that path until much later, obviously. Um, And so, yeah, I, I went for three years and then went to UAMS for pharmacy school from there.
0: That's awesome. And then you did go into the pharmacy world. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was a pharmacy manager right out of school for Target at the time, back oh. before it was EBS at Target. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I spent my paycheck on my lunch break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: bet you did. Know. Um, yeah. Yes. And then I transitioned back into community pharmacy, independent pharmacy rather very briefly. And, and he sold. And so I ended up working ultimately as a clinical pharmacist for Kroger, um, doing a lot of really cool things like travel immunizations and medication therapy management, a lot of non-traditional pharmacy services that created a lot of really great connections and experience that's outside the traditional just dispensing pills all day.
0: Sure. Oh, that's very cool. Will you tell us about what happened in your life that made you revisit your passion, and move towards more of a functional medicine route?
1: Absolutely. So my husband and I um, had three children relatively quickly. So we had two biological children and then adopted a third that in age-wise is in the middle of the two, um, all within about a three-year time span. So had two babies plus adopted a toddler who was going through really extreme grief was it was a really intense period. And I was still working full time at first and then went down to part time. And there I just, there was this moment really where I was in our baby's nursery at the time, and everyone was kind of playing around me. And I looked and kind of caught a glimpse of myself in the Mm -hmm. mirror and just realized that I was becoming a stereotype of a mom who had and I've given up on herself and mm. I just, I was exhausted and I was inflamed, significantly overweight for me. I, my bone structure is really small. I'm only five foot one. And so, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to really tax the body, um, mm. in that way. And I, you know, and then I looked back at my kids and they're all three years old or under, and they were depending on me for everything. Mm. And I just had almost like this, the first time that I sort of recognized like, okay, this body is not me. I'm living inside this body. And she's been really good to me and I haven't been so good to her. Mm. And and so that's when I just really started taking better care of myself and prioritizing really just making decisions consciously more mm. and not so, so willy-nilly. And then I started learning more about holistic health, gut health, and and things of that nature. And that is what really started, I would say that jump started my journey because I've made really small changes that created really enormous results really quickly. And that was before I had done any formal education on alternative medicine in any form. But it was so dramatic that I started incorporating it into my work as a clinical pharmacist. And it just kind of rolled from there.
0: Oh, that is awesome. So in society these days, I feel like we are hearing the term functional medicine and holistic healthcare and that type. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, of
1: course. So functional medicine is really root cause medicine. So rather than looking to sort of Band-Aid a symptom, which is what, and I want to be really clear, it is not anti-medication at all. I think medicine is wonderful. Traditional Western medicine is really incredible at keeping us alive, at fixing broken parts and putting us back together after traumas and injuries, but it doesn't really allow as much for thriving and really being well long-term. Right. And so functional medicine looks at, okay, here are your symptoms. Why are they here? So my favorite analogy <clears throat> is if you think of like a like a leaky bathroom sink yeah. um, medicine, traditional medicine, I would say it's like the towels that you use to clean up the water that's spilling everywhere. If that's all that you use, you're going to be cleaning up forever and you're going to you know be uh, heavily dependent on towels. We'll say. Right. right. Um, and then. And you're not going to be able to do it perfectly. And so there's going to be residual damage from the continual stream of water and all of that. So functional medicine then tries to look and say, okay, where's the leak or where's the clog or where's the like actual source of the problem. And it still uses towels when necessary to clean up, but you don't have to use them forever if you heal or fix whatever is actually the problem. And so that's kind of what functional medicine does looking largely to food as medicine that's what it's really known for Mm -hmm. Um, but but lifestyle in general so sleep stress management is enormous that's probably one of my biggest personal focuses so uh, nutrition hydration is really big all of these different movement of course
0: Mm -hmm.
1: really and really adding health to your life so that the conditions allowing for dis-ease no longer exist
0: Oh, I love that. And you said just a minute ago that you made some very small changes that had a very large impact. Could you share about what what a few of those simple changes were that you made? Absolutely. So it's interesting, because
1: my dad was very ahead of his time in terms of holistic, like he hired a nutritionist in our small town Arkansas pharmacy in the 90s, which was
0: unheard Unheard of. of. Yeah, sure.
1: But of course, when it's your dad teaching you, you're like, I'm you know, I mean, I ate Kraft macaroni and cheese and diet Mountain Dew, fun-sized candy bars and boxed wine. If I'm being told yes. just like, that was the diet of my twenties. And really until I became pregnant for the first time and was all of a sudden, like, it wasn't just my body. Like I was growing another one. And that's when I started eating cleaner, but at what it was for the sake of building a baby, not so much for like my own long-term health. Okay. And so the little changes that I made really started out with probably the biggest one for me personally at that time was hydration. I have I was never a good water drinker. I actually dehydrated myself so badly that I got a kidney stone at 19 for no other reason than I just didn't drink enough water to like flush my kidneys out. Hydration was an enormous thing. And then I started walking every day that I was. So at the time that I was making these changes, I was working every other day in a pharmacy. So I would go on the days that I was off. I had all three kids at home and I would, I turned a double stroller into a triple. So I put two kids in the thing. And then one was like sitting on that little pointy triangle part, yeah. mm-hmm. truck it. And it moved my body as much as I could without anything extreme. At that time, I was not going to any workout classes or it literally was just, it was getting fresh air and I was moving for probably close to an hour, I would say, mm-hmm. and it was pushing, I it was pushing a decent amount of kid weight. Well, there's three kids in a stroller over a hundred pounds on there, but yeah. so, so hydration and movement. And then just, I started planning my meals. I did this was a while ago. So mm-hmm. I did do some calorie counting back in the day. I do not ever recommend that ever, but if I'm being fully honest about my initial thing. Mm-hmm. It really, it wasn't for the sake of calories as much as it was for the sake of understanding, being aware of how much or how little or, or what type of food I was putting in my body, which I transitioned out of that pretty mm-hmm. quickly. I had kind of, you know, when you are like nursing a baby and you, you eat whatever you want, yes. you wean them. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what happened here? So right. um, it, I needed to sort of get, get a handle around like what I was putting in my body and just becoming mindful about it. So those were the three big things that I did at that time.
0: That's that awesome.
1: Created a lot of change. Yeah.
0: Could you share a little bit? Cause you shared with me a little bit about how your struggles with anxiety also led you towards this path of, you know, researching the the functional medicine, hypnotherapy yeah. and meditation side of things.
1: Yes. So it was 2017 is when I started getting into functional medicine. And then 2018 is when I launched prescription wellness. And a part of what led up to me creating my own company was that I had heard through the grapevine that Kroger was going to be eliminating all part-time pharmacists period. Like you were either going to be full-time or you were not going to work there. And so I was not going to work there and I didn't have an exact timeline but I knew it was coming. And so I started um, just doing research around what, what other options I had available that would work with my schedule and that were still motivating to me and sort of made use of what I felt like were the unique aspects of my skill set. And I had talked to my brother about it, who's a business consultant in Austin. So that's when I sort of eventually landed on, you know, launching a wellness company. And what I was very unaware of at the time, I probably had anxiety Periodically, I know I did like after babies and things like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't ever unbearable mm-hmm. until I transitioned from working in a pharmacy to working from home. I like to say, I felt like I went through my own personal quarantine before I knew anything about what quarantine was ahead. And so that is when I really developed severe, like unbearable anxiety. Um, And I just, and even functional medicine couldn't touch it. Like I could eliminate all the the foods that, you know, were potential triggers. I could take all the supplements that are supposed to help, but that wasn't the problem. It was that I had a a broken spirit really. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I worked through some religious trauma just from like a very legalistic, Sunday school teacher that had a major impact on me that I was fully unaware of for a long time. But I just really had pictured God as this 18th century judge with like the white powder wig and the gavel, just ready to like slap my hand or condemn me or what have you. And it was like visceral anxiety, you know, like it, the kind that you feel kind of like rising, rising, rising
0: debilitating. Yeah, Yeah, it
1: was, it really was. And it was from the outside. I think a a lot of moms go through this from the outside. It looks like you're still functioning because you're getting your kids where they're supposed to go. Mm -hmm. You know, we laugh and we, you know, put on our busy badge or what have I really do not do anymore. And I'm so thankful because I look back at that time, granted I was about 10 years younger, but still I'm just like, I don't know how I survived. I'm so thankful that I'm, you know, that i made, made it, it out. Through. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I was so, so, so depleted mm-hmm. um, on so many levels and isolated too. Even with functional medicine, like if you keep going upstream, eventually you're going to get to the spirit and you're going to get to the mind, both like it, those are, they, they feed into the body. And I just happen to have learned that through experience <laughs> rather than education. When I really, surrendered, I had like a very deep spiritual experience in my living room one morning after months of having enormous, like hours long quiet times where I'm just reading through the Bible, like it's a textbook, right? Like just where's the verse that tells me how to fix everything in the world because Mm -hmm. it's all wrong, every bit of it, you know, and then that's not a thing. And so when I really surrendered, you know, it was as if God was like, kindly, you know, like I'm not your enemy. I'm not, I'm not even like trying to be your boss really. Like I'm trying to, or, or you're like teacher with a grade. Like I'm not, I want to be in relationship with, I just want you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really started meditating before I knew that meditating is what I was doing.
0: So tell us what, what, how you, what you see as meditating.
1: Yeah. So, well, what would happen is I was continuing to have these really long quiet times, but I would I would read a verse or something, and I would have to stop and get out a notebook. It was it felt like God was downloading exactly what I needed to hear in any given moment. Like if there was something I didn't understand, or you know those verses in the Bible that you really wrestle with, or that just make you mad. Right. And and I I got to this point where I really started to hear God speak. From inside me. That's the only way that I know how to describe it. Mm -hmm. It was it was clear as day and it could have been audible, except for it was internal. I mean, I've journals and journals of just things that I I had to stop. I would even be like driving down the road and have to stop and pull over just to like take down all of these things. It was almost like God was debunking myths in my mind that I had just absorbed really inaccurately, really fear based rather than love based, which is my litmus test for all things. Holy spirit. Now I'm like, Mm -hmm. if it's scary, the Holy spirit didn't say it
0: period. Mm. Like
1: you won't convince me of anything else. And so it was a really beautiful time. It was wild and it still happens, but it just, I'm, I'm so far into it now. And I did develop. So at the same time I started my, my quiet times would land on these verses about meditation. And I listened to a podcast and it was Mark Hyman, who was, one of the top functional medicine physicians, you know, in the world, very well known. If anyone knows functional medicine, they know who Mark Hyman is. Right. And he had Emily Fletcher on his podcast, who is a meditation teacher and she started talking. It was like this back and forth, like, yes, it's, it's a spiritual thing. And also like, here are all the scientific benefits for your body And I, at that point, had deconstructed enough to no longer be scared of learning from people who don't believe exactly the same way I believe. Mm. And I think that that's a big, I I tell people often, we are taught so much to guard our hearts that often we guard it against these gifts that are available that we just don't understand. And so meditation to me was one of those. I would have classified meditation along with voodoo or Ouija boards or something of that nature, or just said like, that's for Buddhist monks. Like I'm what, you know, I just did not at all um, understand that it's, that it's a practice that is life giving both Mm -hmm. spiritually and physically. So my favorite definition now is if, if praying is talking to God, meditation is listening. Mm. And I never listened ever before. I think because I was afraid of what God had to say. Like, I just assumed that God was going to tell me What a wretch I was, right? Or or what I needed to do better, what I was doing wrong, just a lot of guilt and things like that. And so once I started really actually listening and hearing, and it actually brought back memories of being able to hear, you know, hear Jesus, hear the Holy Spirit when I was really young, before I had been so you know traumatized with legalism, Mm -hmm. Um, and it just all sort of it was like God was just putting little puzzle pieces together to say like. You don't have to wait until heaven to to really understand these things. It's not like, yes, my ways are higher, but you can feel them and you can experience them on earth. Um, And so in addition to that, as I started to really have a practice of meditation and like sitting and just trying to listen, I would maybe read a verse and then just close my eyes and ask, God to show me what I'm supposed to get from that verse. Cause it's not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing that, and then also learning, I ended up getting Emily Fletcher's book and listening to it. And it's talking all about all of the different ways that meditation actually de-stresses our body and stresses the number one issue, at least in Western culture. Hands down, with all of the people that I've worked with at this point, I I have yet to see any client who's going through a struggle that wasn't ultimately triggered by stress. Like there might have been a lot of factors, but until you go through stress, your body can manage it. And so meditation really de-stresses you on a cellular level, as well as all the spiritual benefit. It changes the structure of your brain. It, it lengthens telomeres on your DNA, which are markers for aging and death. I mean, it's, it's wild. It's the only thing that actually is shown to reverse telomere deconstruction, which just means literally the longer your telomeres, the longer that that cell is going to live. All the aging that comes from stress, like if you look at a picture right. of a president getting of their presidency at the end, all of that, it undoes that. Like it doesn't just prevent it. It can actually reverse it.
0: That's, and so uh, that's it, crazy. It's, it
1: is. But mm.
0: and also I'm like, well, of course,
1: if, if that's like, hey, here's a gift. It's not a mandate. There's not much that God mandates, honestly, in my opinion anymore. But I have this gift for you. And it's like you're just holding it and not opening it. And if you mm. open it, there's a whole lot of good stuff in there. And that's really
0: what meditation is. to That's, that's so cool. I loved during our session, when you, you talked about the science behind it all. Like I'm not a sciencey type person, but to hear how it physically changes your brain structure for the better. And with consistent practice, it can modify like like your actual biology at the cellular level. Like what you were saying, that's just, that's so fascinating to me, but I have to be honest with you. And everyone yes. listening that Bethany reached out to me on Instagram months and months and months ago. And she said, Hey, let's catch up on the phone sometime. And I was like surprised and honestly didn't know what to expect. So many people these days are doing social selling. I've been there. I've done it. And I thought maybe it was that like, is she trying to sell me something? But we finally mm-hmm. scheduled a time to chat and we chatted for a good hour and after about an hour, I questioned you and I said, I mean, we caught up on everything. Like I didn't know where she lived. She didn't know where I lived. We didn't really know about each other's families. Like I said, we were acquaintances in college, knew of each other. So we caught up that I was like, Hey, what's your goal for our visit today? And you said something that completely shocked me. You said, honestly, I'm not sure you said that you felt like the Lord wanted us to visit and I'm going to get choked up talking about it. Do you remember this conversation? I do. I do. It was so sweet. But as we continued visiting, I started looking her up online, <laughs> started Googling her website. And I noticed something that she hadn't even mentioned in our visit. And it was hypnotherapy. And As I read her description of what hypnotherapy was on her website, I was absolutely sure that this was the exact reason why we were supposed to talk. It was what I was seeking for a myriad of reasons in my life. It was shocking to me, like the biggest surprise of that day, for sure. Oh, I I mean, it has completely changed my world. So can you tell us a little bit about hypnotherapy? Uh, I mean, when I first heard about it, I thought it was for sure cuckoo (laughs) until you revealed, like I said, you revealed the science behind it and what it actually does. So would you tell us about it?
1: Absolutely. So I, everything that I do in prescription wellness is something that I needed myself first. Um, so I had done functional medicine and I found meditation and I had found so much healing through both of those things. And also I recognized that I still needed therapy. Yep. Um, I had a lot of residual anxiety. I hadn't identified all the religious trauma really at that point, not, not to the extent that I had experienced it, I guess. And so I was really, really overwhelmed anytime that I talked to someone who had been to therapy and they were spending years and they were going in, you know, every week or every other week for like a very long time for a breakthrough. And I was just drowning a little bit still because I felt like, okay, my kids are, Like they need me to heal yesterday. I don't have time. I don't have the luxury of spending years to get to a breakthrough. I ended up coming across a free masterclass on hypnotherapy that advertised itself quite literally as years of therapy in a single session or something of that nature. And so, of course, my interest has peaked and I just decide, like I said, a prayer, because I, I was like you, I had a healthy dose of skepticism, but also I felt desperate. And mm-hmm. so I I watched the masterclass. And as I'm watching it, this woman, her name is Marissa Peer, and she created the type of hypnotherapy that I'm certified in. It's called rapid transformational therapy or RTT. And she spoke clinically, like the way that I spoke. And she talked in a lot of ways about how, you know, hypnotherapy was sort of the functional medicine of the therapy world and that it's, we're not just processing forever and ever, which I think it has its place. Absolutely. I don't like therapy is fantastic for things that are going on right now, especially, but when you've got things that are impacting you from your past and you're just going in loops processing again and again and again, it's difficult to move past the thing to get resolution.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: that was sort of something that this woman had recognized. She had been a therapist in Britain for decades and and developed this hypnotherapy style. And at the end of the masterclass, there was a very generic pre-recorded, nothing personalized or live or custom about it at all session. And I just thought, okay, you know what? I've watched everything that she's had to say with only more like hope and curiosity to show for it. So I'm just going to do this. And so I uh, hit play on the uh, recorded session and, you know, went into hypnosis and came out, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour later, like a changed person. I mean, I had identified such enormous, I had never sort of acknowledged my inner child. That was my first experience, really, even understanding the concept. And I had such a tremendous life-altering breakthrough in that one little blip of time that I was hooked. And I went through all sorts of programs Um, I didn't actually do it live until I was training as a hypnotherapist, which was much later. But when I got into it, you cannot really go through hypnotherapy without learning a good bit about how the mind works. Mm -hmm. And as I'm learning these things, I start to recognize with my wellness clients that I can predict how successful they will be long-term based on the first conversation that we have. Just the words coming out of their mouth are such a clear reflection of you know, are buy into stereotypes, their belief that wellness is possible for them, their beliefs that they're worthy of wellness, which is, you know, for women, especially raised in a similar way to you and I, it's, mm-hmm. even though like our generation knows that we're supposed to put our oxygen mask on, but knowing it consciously and actually doing it regularly are two different things. And so that really was this giant sort of, I, I realized that, that the mind was the final The final missing piece in terms of actually getting, I can give people all the tools in the world to get well, but if their mind keeps them from implementing them, Mm -hmm. then they're just rusty tools in their tool belt. And so it has been wild to, to be able to offer and, and watch people who are. You know, some of them are like totally healthy. They have everything in line and they have just this like one thorn in their side that they think they're going to have forever. And we get to eliminate that. Or for some people, they, you know, they know what they're supposed to do or they know what's good for them to do, but they just don't do it. And they don't know why. And it is nuts, nuts, nuts to identify the beliefs behind those because they're not linear. They don't make sense. They're not logical. Mm. Um, they're, they're you're experiencing a lot of things at the emotional level of whatever age you were at the time that, that you were wounded. And so a lot of times people are afraid to dig into their mind because they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to find. And often it's smaller things that they find, smaller experiences mm-hmm. that just felt huge because they had those experiences when they were four years old. And to a four-year-old, it was huge. And so when you are triggered by the same experience or the same feeling that you had then, mm-hmm. it's you're experiencing it as a four-year-old. And so it feels enormous or debilitating or whatever it is. And so just understanding that 90% of our day is run by our subconscious mind is both shocking and ultimately empowering once you know like, oh, I can change my subconscious. So if you think of your brain like the hardware of a computer, like a mm-hmm. supercomputer, Your subconscious mind is the network of software programs that are running all the time, automating your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors, your Mm -hmm. anything that, that you do without specifically consciously choosing it. It's run by your subconscious and you can change it.
0: I mean, the science behind all of that is so wild because I'm a very logical person and the struggles that I was struggling with, negative and limiting beliefs and these negative thought patterns that dug so deep for so long. And I'm like a logical person. I know I shouldn't be thinking these things. I know they're not the truth, but they're still there. And they still, like you said, they're just on repeat, but we can change the way that our brain actually thinks. So you shared a statistic with me about how we have already all been hypnotized, even though we didn't know it. Tell me about that. Yes.
1: So we are all in a state of hypnosis or a hypnotic like state for the first seven years of our life, birth to age seven. So which lines up if you think about how often we as moms hear like those first seven years are so critical, your identities form, your worldview is form. Well, that's because one, you are in what's called an alpha brain wave or an alpha state, almost continuously during mm-hmm. those first seven years. And also, Your brain is not fully developed, obviously. Right. And so you're not, your subconscious mind does not function off of logic. I think that's one of the most empowering things to know. That's how superstitions exist. Like it just Mm -hmm. connects dots, period. So if two things happen at the same time, your subconscious mind is like, well, obviously one caused the other. And so we need to, you know, like if you buy new socks for a soccer game and you win the soccer game, then all of a sudden your brain is like, those socks are the reason that you won the soccer. Right our mind does that with everything, not just with competitive sports. Mm-hmm. It can do it with, it's just always trying to make meaning and its job is to keep you alive, not to keep you happy. And so it, it there are certain rules that your mind functions off of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like one of the rules of the mind, for instance, that, that is super impactful in those first seven years is that what is familiar to you is safe to you. And that makes sense by a logically, because when we're a little bitty, we need to recognize familiar faces to know that they're safe. Um, if we're talking a few hundred years ago, or definitely thousands of years ago, if you get lost in the woods, you need to be able to recognize familiar landmarks to make your way home. I would have been in trouble because I'm not good <laughs> at that. Um, so it makes sense that like, what is familiar is safe. But when that gets hijacked, whenever emote certain emotion or thought patterns or toxic behaviors are familiar to you, your mind is like, well, this happens all the time. And you're alive. Therefore, this is part of what's keeping you alive. And that is just, it's a dot that your mind connects. And if you don't disconnect it, then it's going to keep going. And you will find yourself repeating patterns as an adult that are actually linked to these things that happened when you were a child or these little bitty instances that happened one time that then formed beliefs that are impacting you now. Um, and a lot of us, particularly if, you know, you were, you needed to make good grades. And so now and as an adult, you're, we don't get grades anymore. So, right. you know, and we, we look at our life as one big report card and that's super stressful. And, you know, you can, I, I tell people all the time and I, I'm sure my parents are so tired of hearing this story, <laughs> but they left me at church one time when I was four, we were at church all the time. Um, it was super familiar to me. I was there three times a week for, you know. Mm -hmm. a minimum of three times a week for 18 plus years with them. They only forgot me one time. Mom thought dad had me, dad thought mom had me, et cetera, et cetera. But because I was so young and I ended up like all alone in a dark sanctuary, (laughs) petrified, I formed this belief that I am forgettable. And Mm -hmm. when you add that belief to the hustle culture that we all soaked in, and the performance based everything and our worth is from our, you know, our, our value comes from what we do and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to prove that I'm worth remembering, even when I'm out of sight. And and so that's very externally motivated and it just doesn't work because sometimes you might feel worth remembering and other days you might not. And that doesn't actually mean anything about you. And so that was a huge, a huge belief for me to unwind, to realize like, oh, I don't need to operate from this place of like, please remember me. I need to operate from this place of this is what I'm here to do. And so I'm going to do it peacefully and confidently because I'm I'm working with the Lord, not for some form of you know, recognition or whatever it is. So it's just really wild how your mind, not just during those years, it's not like it turns off at seven, it gradually decreases, but we're still in that alpha state periodically every day. So anytime you're transitioning from sleep to wake or wake to sleep, which is why the bookends of our day are so important for our mental health because Mm -hmm. those are, that's when we really solidify. Like if you get your bookends right, then there's a lot more flexibility in the in-between. And then anytime, like if you're daydreaming and just kind of off in la la land, or if you are driving somewhere and you kind of zone out and you like, say you meant to go to the grocery store and then you pull into your driveway and you're Mm -hmm. at home. So you're in an alpha state then. And that really just means that your brain is absorbing everything that you're hearing seeing, feeling and experiencing and it's absorbing it and it's taking it on as truth and it's connecting more dots all the time. It's like, Oh, what dot does this go with? And what, what else does this feed into? And so that's why I always tell people it's so important not to leave like the news on in the background or something terrible, just as your, <laughs> your background noise, because you're not consciously listening, but your brain is absorbing it. And it is, you know, if it, if it's all negative stuff, then, then that subconscious fear based, keep you alive is like on high alert
0: and that puts you in
1: fight or flight. Mm. Yeah. Which you can't, you're not fight or flight is meant to help you run away from a wild animal. Like it is meant to help you get away from physical danger. And so in our modern culture, it is all whopper drug because we now are, we don't have, you know, wild beasts out there. We have stressful work schedules or Pinterest birthday parties or, you know, social media, whatever. And, you don't ever run away. You don't ever get away from it. And I think people are waking up, especially women. I would say, especially like millennials and old women right now Mm -hmm. are waking up to like, Hey, (laughs) this is not working and we need to do something different. And and we want to be a part of that conversation. And that's a, there were a lot of limiting beliefs for me too, around womanhood, you know, Mm -hmm. and just what it means to be a woman and that I am not a secondary human because I am a woman. And, um, and I think that there are a lot of solutions to some of the biggest hurts in the world that are locked up in the minds and hearts of women who think that, that it's too audacious or too bold or something for them to pursue their dreams. When in fact, their dreams are the answer to a lot of people's hurts.
0: Oh, oh, that's so good. I'm gonna have to write that one down. I love that. You also talked about, I mean, I guess, like I said, me being very logical type person and thinking that I'm strong willed, I can accomplish this. But you, you said you're not weak willed. Like through this process, the, the hypnotherapy process, like you don't, it's not about your willpower. Your brain does exactly what it's supposed to do to serve you. And you, you also shared about self sabotage is like one of the number one
1: everybody has it to some extent.
0: Mm -hmm. And how it can affect so many different aspects of our life. Yeah. So, so your
1: conscious mind, which is like, so right now we are in a beta brainwave, which means that you and I are awake and alert. We're aware of what we're saying. So we're in that 10%, that conscious thinking Mm -hmm. brain, and that is your mind of choice. So that is, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what my my goal is what, what have you, your subconscious mind, which is 90% <laughs> overwhelming awesome. majority yeah. is your, is your mind of action. So when you are saying like, I want to, we'll use like a simple example, like working out cause that's easier to, so like, okay, I want to exercise every day for 30 minutes because that's what's recommended. And then you're just not doing it. Well, you, you may have programming running in that, that 90% that says, well, if you, for instance, I've had several clients who struggled with their weight and they had a lot of, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your podcast, but this is the word that they used: slut shaming, just for having oh. a cute body. Not even if, you know, the whole culture of like the woman is responsible for not tempting the man, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so their cute figures were touted to them as temptations for Men in general, I guess, Mm. and therefore their body was like, "Mm, you don't want to get, you don't want to get too fit because then that makes you a bad person because then you're Delilah or
0: something.
1: Yeah, Yeah. So I mean, it's really, really wild, and and sometimes it's not as much that. Sometimes you might have heard somebody when you were little say like, you're not good at sports, and so and then you might have a, a belief that. Like fit people are good at sports. And so therefore your mind is like, well, you can choose to exercise all you want, but you're not good at sports. And so you're not going to be ever fit or what have you. Like you just never know. Everybody's completely different. Mm -hmm. But when you tap into that subconscious, when you, you put your conscious mind to sleep, kind of, you just let it take a nap in hypnotherapy. And then all of a sudden you access these experiences and your mind knows that's the craziest part to me. It's almost like your mind is this big filing cabinet. And when we get into hypnotherapy, we kind of say like, okay, let's locate the file that is responsible for keeping you from doing this thing that you wanna do. Mm. And you find that file and you're like, okay, this is inaccurate. Like, yes, this is what happened, but this is not what it should mean. And mm-hmm. so you cha- we can't change what happened in the past, but we can change the meaning that the mind makes of it, which then changes how it impacts you in the future. Mm-hmm. And so speaking to willpower, Everyone's willpower breaks at some point, but you don't need willpower when your, your subconscious programming is in line with what you're consciously choosing. And that's really what hypnotherapy is about. It is about saying, okay, we're going to get the subconscious mind on board So, f- because when you create desire and pleasure – where there was dread or, Mm -hmm. or just a belief that it wasn't possible or whatever it is, then all of a sudden you don't need the willpower. Willpower is the gap really between what you're consciously choosing and what your subconscious mind is working through. And you can close the gap with brute force for a while, but at some point the subconscious is going to win.
0: Yeah, for sure. As I've shared this experience with, I mean, so many people, I don't even know 25 people just over the summer, like, having conversations about this experience. I used the, the example of the friends episode. This is probably a horrible example, but when Chandler's trying to stop smoking and he gets a hypnosis (laughs) on tape and he plays it all the time and he starts talking like late. Anyway, I, I didn't know what to expect whenever we started our session, but what are some of the other, I guess, Conditions or issues that you have been able to help with? I mean, such yeah. as smoking, you know, being able yeah. to stop smoking and losing weight. So,
1: smoking is one. I have done smoking. I will only do smoking cessation if it is the desire and goal of the actual person who's coming to me. So, if their doctor mm-hmm. tells them they have to, or if like their husband or wife is like, you've got to stop or kid, hypnotherapy works for what you truly want. Like, your mind isn't going to accept what you don't actually want which is good for you to know because I could not make you want to rob a bank if I (laughs) wanted to. That's like one of the things they teach us, like make sure they know it is important to be comfortable with your hypnotherapist. But phobias are actually the most fascinating to do because they're never connected. So I've done a lot of like travel anxiety or travel phobia social anxiety, fear of public speaking, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Wellness is a big topic, obviously, because just of of my background. And so a lot of times we will get to a point like I'll do, I'll put them through maybe a functional medicine program and we'll do coaching and then we'll identify the parts that they're really struggling in or that are sort of blocks for them. And that's what we'll do hypnotherapy on. Um, I've done some really interesting like picky eater situations basically like anything that your mind is involved. Nothing is off limits, honestly. Trauma
0: healing, right?
1: Absolutely. Lots and lots of religious trauma. I've done some PTSD. I don't generally get sent the really severe stuff. Mm -hmm. More anxiety, sort of the chronic PTSD, which we're learning more about now. Religious trauma would often fall under because it's that that little dose of you're terrible all the time, Mm -hmm.
0: you know? Yeah.
1: Um, so so that definitely falls in there.
0: Um, when I say that the challenges that I was facing, my mindset, limiting beliefs, negative thought patterns, when I say that hypnotherapy have improved, that would be an understatement because it really literally has changed the way that I interact with certain people in my life. Situations that were stressful in my past are now reminders of how far I've come I dreaded feeling out of control. And honestly, I was a little afraid of what I might say (laughs) under hypnosis, because you feel like you're going to be. Out of control, or you're gonna like make me levitate, or do something stupid, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also thought I'd be completely unaware of my surroundings and not be able to remember the experience, but that was so not true. I never felt out of control. Bethan was like such; it was such a judgment-free zone, and I just knew that everything would be okay. But I have so many myths like built up in my brain of what it was going to be like. So, could you just share some of the myths? that people assume about hypnotherapy and the truth about them?
1: Absolutely. So I would say the two biggest ones, the biggest one by far is most people are only familiar with stage hypnosis. So they think of like a work retreat where their coworker got up and made a fool of themselves and then like woke up and didn't even remember what they were doing. And that is a completely different, they're technically using like an alpha brainwave sort of But also like there is this subconscious, it's an entirely different deal where like ultimately that person is agreeing subconsciously to participate in this weird thing. So that's a big one. And then too, because I am a woman of faith and I am very open about, you know, you know, that I believe in Jesus and I do hypnotherapy and that can turn some heads for sure. I think there, there are a group or, or a certain aspect of of Christianity that would think it was like an occult type situation, or like mm-hmm. she's tapping into the whatever. And and normally, once I once I explain that you're you've you've been hypnotized without your permission, basically, and I'm I'm giving you a chance to re to reprogram based on what the Holy spirit says. I mean, it, it, like it is a vulnerable experience, you know, but it is, I consider it such a privilege to be able to be with people during those experiences and really speak truth. And I do feel like God gives me the words to say often that like, just come in the moment. And I can't really even take credit for it. And also knowing the spirit of who you're working with. So I'm sure that there are hypnotherapists out there that do it very, very differently. So I haven't ever met a hypnotherapist that has, that hasn't been completely lovely in all truth, but I, I understand that because it does feel so vulnerable and because it does feel like, and I hear it more from men, like I, I'm, I don't want to know what's in there or what have yeah. you. And, and the truth is whatever is in it, you do want to know because it's impacting you. Right, we're not. It's not like you're going to go into hypnotherapy and create the problem. You're going into hypnotherapy to find out why the problem is there, so that we can can get rid of it. And so there's nothing. One, we're not going to identify anything that isn't already negatively impacting you. Mm -hmm. Um, two, again, it's normally a smaller occurrence than you think. Almost everyone is afraid that they're like subconsciously blocking some big, huge, traumatic event that they've just you know, erased from their memory. That's Mm -hmm. very rarely the case ever. And, and a lot of times it really is. It isn't, it isn't sort of beautiful spiritual and mental experience because really, I've worked with a few people who were raised in almost cult-like faith and they consciously know the truth. They consciously Mm -hmm. know I am loved. I am worthy. I am forgiven. I'm all those things. And they're one of a crazy, um, powerful subconscious belief that I had a client identify last year was that she was trying to earn heaven. And so just working herself to the bone, thinking that like she needed proof, you know, like most of us know it's, you know, not salvation by works or what have you feel, but we were taught that for your, the fruit, right. Is the proof that it's there. then you like are like, well, I need to make sure there's fruit rather than just allowing the fruit to come Mm -hmm. in God's timing and all of this. And so it's a lot, a lot, a lot of sometimes really subtle shifts instead of doing it to make sure that you're good. You know that you're good because God says you're good. And so you operate from that security and then even more fruit grows because you're not like,
0: I need the fruit. (laughs) Right.
1: So So, focused on that. But I would say that the two you are aware of your surroundings, your eyes are closed, but you are like, you remember everything whenever Mm -hmm. you wake up. And there is not like a, it's not like a blackout or anything of that nature. It's just really like a relaxed state. Again, it's putting your nervous system to sleep and your Mm -hmm. conscious mind. So it's, it's a very zen experience. I actually had one client wear one of those aura rings, the um, sleep trackers, mm-hmm. during a session. And even though, like, he's awake talking to me the whole time, it showed that he was in deep rest during
0: the session, which oh, I thought was really cool. cool. That is really, really cool. I, like I said, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but at the end of my session with Beth Ann, she sends me this recording, but she encouraged me to listen to it, you know, right when I wake up in the mornings in the or anytime, but consistently. Yes, but morning,
1: morning is super powerful.
0: Yeah, I need to get back at doing that. But after, I mean, after that first session, I felt rested. I felt refreshed. And I mean, I walked into that next day thinking like, well, everything changed. I know that sounds so, it sounds so crazy. It does oh, it sound so crazy. Beautiful. It, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So there,
1: there are three ways that people really experience change with hypnotherapy. Um, and one is that immediate, you had it, like that immediate mm-hmm. sort of a, a, a veil was torn or a revelation.
0: Volumed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yes. Like you, you cannot unsee what you've seen. There's no going back. So there's that. And then there's also the most common, I would say, is the gradual incremental, right? Like you just day by day, everything gets a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. a little bit lighter, a little bit more free. And then there is what's called retroactive, which is where you get maybe six months or a year down the line. And you look back and you're like, I don't remember the last time that I struggled with. A negative spiral or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really beautiful too. So that's, it's very common. Most people experience like a little bit of each one,
0: mm-hmm. um, but
1: yours really was so, so dramatic because it really was not at all. And, and most people, it's not at all what you think it, it's going to be like, right. because again, you're, you're thinking by logic and you're like, well, this couldn't, and, and your mind was like, psych. Yeah. <laughs> further back than you thought and it's not related to what you think and we can redo this and your so your thought processes are physical structures in your brain so with like a negative spiral you had like a physical structure in your brain that said when this thing happens this terrible thought is where I go and these super negative emotions are what I feel and this you know, undesirable pattern is how I react or whatever it is. Yep. And so in the session, when we're doing the regression, we're actually going in and like mushing up those little. So I usually use the analogy of bridges. You think about the, the, what you weren't wanting as a bridge that's been there for a long time. We go in and we bust it up in the session. And then you're with the recording, we take all those bricks and all those building blocks and we move them over and so eventually you you go from this tiny little thread to a string to a rope to eventually you know a cable and eventually then its own bridge so that the same trigger that caused this negative spiral then becomes neutralized or it even can become positive depending on you know what whoever is working on but it it completely changes what a a trigger or a stimulant for something Mm -hmm. that you don't want it completely switches what that causes in you and if it's something that's negative often when you neutralize it when you take away the the strong emotion that goes with it Mm -hmm. it starts to happen less because you haven't you haven't given it power you haven't given it attention and like there's there's a lot of quantum physics actually behind where we place our focus Mm
0: -hmm. and where we place
1: our attention especially with emotion and the more that you put really strong emotion, positive or negative onto a particular topic or a particular behavior or event. Or-
0: That's so good. I, I need to get more consistent. I, I notice when I'm not listening to my recording that those those thoughts want to come back in there, but then I'll start it back up again. And yeah. I mean, it's crazy, crazy how it works. Uh, you touched on this just slightly. How have you combated the hesitation and the criticism that you have experienced from Christians with the hypnotherapy thing. I I would imagine you get some pushback, right?
1: I would call it more questions than pushback only because I am so open about my faith and I Mm -hmm. am so like, I've never, I've never gone out and said like, I am, I actually had someone ask me if I was comfortable being called a healer. And I said, I was like, I think I'm comfortable with saying like, I've been given a gift that can heal, but not like, because I, I understand that like, I'm a vessel, like I'm very aware of that. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that the really haven't gotten too many people who think now they may be thinking it, but they're not going to come to me and say it because Mm -hmm. they were already coming to me for lifestyle changes. This is what I tell people all the time. We are a body and a mind and a spirit and they're all connected and you can't separate them out in this life. They're woven inextricably. And so whatever is good for one aspect of you is good for every aspect of you. And what is detrimental to one aspect of you is detrimental to every aspect of you because you are a body a mind and a spirit. mm -hmm. It's more a nervousness around. I haven't had anyone come to me with like a, well, they're just supposed to pray about it because most people are now taking an active approach, or at least the people who are talking right. to my face.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I-, I could see that. So you are publishing a book, right? Yes. Oh, I, I can't wait to get a copy when they get released next year, right? Early next year?
1: Yes, I'm working with copy editor right now. And then we'll move into like sort of pre-production the later fall, and then it should come out like late winter, early spring of 24.
0: Can you give us like a little snip, snippet yeah. or like,
1: what is it going to be about? Yeah. So it's called Permission to Thrive. Okay. And the whole concept behind it is that you, you already have permission. The only one with authority to give it to you did so because you're here. I, it goes through, it's a three part book and it goes through all of the three burnouts that I have experienced personally, body first and spirit and then mind and sort of the alternative ways that I found healing for each of those aspects of myself, because my whole purpose is to let people know that healing is available to them. What I want people to know more than anything is that you are not stuck with a no, there are, there there's so much available to you. So if you have found what works for you in completely traditional Western allopathic medicine, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Just know that if you haven't found what you need, or if you still feel like you're not really thriving, that that is available to you, and it just might be sort of sourced from alternative modalities, alternative resources. They're beautiful and they're gifts, and they're all around us. Um, a good friend of mine used to say it's it's like we're all treading water in an ocean with like life rafts all around that we're just not using to take that. a breath.
0: Yeah, and, and they might just look. Like, different than than what we've been conditioned to absolutely think and we're yeah. not if we're not educated about you don't know it. it right exactly well um i just wanted to say thank you so much for what you are doing in this crazy world to help people's mental spiritual physical well-being you truly are changing people's lives mine included and i will be forever grateful that you responded to the prompting <laughs> To reach out to me, your faith and the way that you reveal the love of Christ through what you do is beautiful and refreshing. And I just, I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. And lastly, to finish up, um, I always ask my guests, what is one thing that a person has said or done for you that you believe changed the trajectory of your life?
1: Yeah. So actually when I, when I found out that Kroger was, you know, going to be eliminating my job and I called my brother who lives in Austin, he um, he was with Siete foods at the time. And um, he like, he helped start them from the ground up and I called him just to tell him what I was going through and sort of the things that I was loving about what I was doing. And he is actually the one that asked me if I had ever heard of functional medicine and I said, well, no, but if it's as opposed to dysfunctional medicine, then I feel like I should dig in. And that one question is actually what prompted me being the weirdo, <laughs> you know, and exiting all of, you know, and I just keep getting weirder every time no. I see someone I haven't seen in a while. They're like, so what are you doing now? <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty settled for now, but yeah. So that really was um, a powerful question that, that let me know that there was so much more out there and it was legitimate. And I think that's what, when I got off of the phone with him that day and Googled it and found the whole Institute for Functional Medicine. And I was like, there are like legitimate scientific discoveries behind all of this stuff that I, I wasn't taught and no one in any traditional medical education really was at the time. Then I'm going to explore what's available and I'm going to be open to it. And that really was a game changer for me.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here. And I can't wait for our next session. So me too. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. If you have been enjoying our episodes and you would like to help support the podcast, please share the episodes with others. Make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen and leave a rating or review. It means the world to me. To catch up on all the latest from me, You can follow me on Ignite Impact Podcast on Facebook and sign up for my weekly newsletter at IgniteImpactPodcast.com. Thanks again and until next time.